tonight on Verse Chorus Verse, Sven and David dissect the group that basically put West Coast hip-hop on the map. We are dissecting N.W.A. Episode 14.2. Welcome to Verse Chorus Verse episode 14.2. I am David to the Liston. With me, as always, is member of the FBI Detroit Division, Sven Knutson. Sven, <laughs> Sven <laughs> how are you tonight? I'm, I'm doing good. I had a lot of fun listening to hip hop this week. Really, really excited for this episode. Uh, before we get into it, a couple things. Number one, the music that you heard coming in to the episode is from a group called Blacklight Odyssey. We had been in touch with them about playing some stuff on the episode. More than happy to. Pretty cool shit. First off, they are from LA, so I thought what better time for an LA group to come on when we're going to be talking about the introduction to the West Coast as far as hip-hop is involved. But Blacklight Odyssey is cool. have this kind of Depeche Mode early 90s, almost like a pre-hate machine vibe Mm -hmm. every now and then, maybe early 2000 house sort of stuff. The song that you heard coming into this episode is Freak Me, F-R-E-Q, but you can find them on Spotify, you can find them on Instagram, all that. I just go to their Instagram, they have a link tree, and that's just two dudes out of LA writing good music. Sven, Y-N-W-A. Okay. I did kind of want something that would keep us on our toes, and I also wanted a group that, well, okay, they didn't put out a lot of albums, yet they split off into solo careers that put out a lot of albums. Yes. And as far as like dissection of the band, it really is, is to me, uh, about part of an evolution of a genre. It was another phase in the story of hip hop that I think is really important to talk about. So if we're going to talk about hip hop, why not start kind of, it's kind of in the middle. This was probably for me, the first time that hip hop became something you saw on the evening news. Yes, definitely one of the more influential, significant groups of all. That is a terrific reason, in my opinion. Dissecting this group was way more researching and reading than listening. Yes. It was pretty fascinating, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got so many personalities. You've got, as far as bands go, this is as much as like a group of individual entrepreneurs as you could get. The cohesiveness was there. They were a company, right? Eric started a company. Yes, and yeah. And the rest of the guys were like, pumping out the product which also all came out when it all blew out absolutely right they all it eventually all just fell apart and then quickly when you have personalities yeah. that are that extreme it ain't gonna last that long did your listening differ this time around oh god this was hard yes this was hard because with a two-year-old and a five-year-old in the house i yeah i, I couldn't listen to this through speakers it was late night headphone listening yeah. nwa is a group that i've been familiar with so i didn't feel like the listening was as as i mean i i listened to enjoy and listen to just refresh but i was already fairly familiar about you. I, I was the same way you know i'm not ready to have the specifically one word that i'm not ready to have the conversation to my daughter about my daughter is six yeah i'm not saying it's not an important conversation to have Honestly, she, I am sure, would be able to handle the conversation way better than I could. Yeah. But it's just not one that I'm ready to have. I was more and not worried to mention about, like, that I don't want to explain what a dope man is. Particularly in one album, there is a lot of stuff that I probably wouldn't ever want one of my kids to hear. Right. We'll get into that, but I completely see where you're coming from. Completely agree. We will go ahead and get into NWA. First, before we do, we need to talk about the most important part of the night. Sven, what are you drinking tonight? Okay, so on our last episode, I did Dealer's Choice, gave you three choices. You picked one for me. That, that... It was a long time ago, but I'm going to try to remember. I think it was an Elysian, like a snail male, snail, snail tail close, IPA. Snail, snail, bo- snail bones IPA. I think the Hazy IPA is a really, really spectacular can. All right. So I think you should drink that and make sure you save the can. Head full of dynamite, Hazy IPA. In honor of Los Angeles, because I do believe, I think rumor has it anyway, that this cocktail came from LA, like if it's some 
bartender named Duke or something like that. And it was pretty popular in the in the late 80s, a Harvey wall banger, Ooh. which is basically a churched up screwdriver. It's vodka, it's orange juice, and then I forgot the name of the other liquor that's in it, Galliano. It's like the sweet herbal liquor, which really changes it up. Sven's got his cool beer. I've got my cool late 80s Harvey wall banger, possibly the coolest name for a cocktail oh, yeah you yeah always one up in me with the cocktail i'm just too lazy to make a drink <laughs> <laughs> we are going to get in to nwa after a quick break we will be right back we are song that you just heard no future by blacklight odyssey that is their most recent release like i said you can find it on spotify instagram's the easiest place to get it Bandcamp. always go to Bandcamp for all these bands pay a few bucks to listen to these songs it's not that much you remember back in the day where you paid for artists to play music and then the artists made money so the artists could make more music make more music. Yeah. that's not happening anymore you've got eight artists out there making music because they're the only ones making money and and we're actually going to talk about one of them in a couple episodes (laughs) that'll be a fun one oh boy nwa there's going to be a lot of messy stuff in this episode probably i'm just going to say it right now fair warning on this one there's going to be a lot of messy conversations we're not going to if we offend you in this conversation honestly you might not want to be listening to this podcast anyway this is all in good nature and it's <laughs> well, hopefully everyone hears where our hearts and minds are at and picks up on that you know or or don't yeah and unsubscribe our <laughs> listening will go down from 400 to 398 right. we're still gonna make zero dollars so <laughs> what comes with nwa is a word that spender i can't say Obviously, we're not going to say it. There is a lot of stuff about women. Yeah. A lot of derogatory shit about women in these albums. And the big, 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 big one is that these albums, a lot of these songs could come out today. And the reason is, is because of the relationship that the African-American community has with the police. I am not, look, anybody that knows me that knows that I am not as one way or the other politically, I fucking hate Mm -hmm. extreme liberals just as much as I hate extreme Republicans. That said, there are people in my life that I very, very much love that are black. And if that is the case for you, Mm -hmm. what is going on currently in this country? It's not right. That's not a political thing. Mm -hmm. That's a people that you love thing. If this is going to piss certain people off, that is not my intention. It, it really honestly is not. This is not a liberal telling conservatives to wake up. That's not at all what's going on here. But there's going to be talk about that. So right. There has to right. be talk about that. Well, sort I mean, of that, shit, that's right? the kind of conversation that moves society forward. Yeah. A lot of times those conversations are sparked off as we're about to dive into Art is often the catalyst to bring difficult conversations and topics into mainstream conversation. Well said. It's not a political issue. It's a humanity issue. Right. We live in a part of the world that is very, very white. I don't speak for you, but I'm sure it's probably true for you, too, because you've been around. I I have been around the world, too. I have many African-American loved ones that, that have very specific justified feelings. And... It's been my experience that the only people that are apathetic to that and don't get it are the ones that don't. Right. With all that said, I'm going to go through the factual crap about NWA and then we'll get started. So NWA got together in 1987. So here's a good question for you, Sven. Yeah. Was NWA forming in 1987 the official start of gangster rap? Negatory. So what do you think uh, the official? Do you think like Ice-T or... What do you I think, think before it, Ice-T, I, I think a lot of people forget Schooly D. Nice, nice. Philly, East Coast. Very similarly, I mean, talking about your neighborhood, talking about what you see when you go out on the street, you leave your house. I think that's where it first started. You just said Ice-T. I think Ice-T was the hand-in-hand f- hand with NWA on the West Coast. Yeah. I, I really think, like, I mean, it's the same time period. I would say, like, if you had to name the top three, it was Schooly D, then Ice-T, then NWA. I see it very, very simply in my head, which is wrong because none of this is ever simple. Schooly D and Ice-T mm-hmm. uh, 
birthed NWA, which started gangster rap. Yeah. That's kind of my, yeah. that that's just how I see it in my head. Also, how ironic is it that I think Ice-T now plays a cop on TV? Right? Isn't that funny? <laughs> He's going to have to kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he was smart. He was smart. He did what Jimi oh. Hendrix did. He got out of the army and then went into music so that yeah. he could escape yeah. the, the shit that otherwise would have been his life. Original lineup of NWA was the Ice Cube, the Dr. Dre, DJ Yella and Arabian Prince. That was the original group. The same year that they were founded. I'm sorry, I don't remember if this was before or after Straight Outta Compton, but MC Ren joined. I think Ren was already there. Okay, so Ren was there for Straight Outta Compton. And DOC, I think, co-wrote a lot. Although I don't know if you officially count him as part of... So I don't know. He gets credits, yes. but he's not... He, the yeah, group. and then eventually Ice Cube would leave, which we'll talk plenty about before yeah. their second album. Yeah, we'll get to that later. So legend has it that Henry Heller was basically bored in the 80s and, and wanted to figure out the new way to make money in the music industry, kind of stuck in a rut. He heard of some place in Santa Monica where you could buy like 500 pressings for a thousand bucks, this big record store that was pumping out shit. And so he went. And that's where he found Dr. Dre and Ice Cube and these kids just working out shit. And that's where he and Eazy-E hooked up and they both formed Ruthless Records. I think Eazy-E set it up first and then Heller kind of managed it because he really knew the music industry. So Eazy-E already had it and then Heller came in as the old white dude and said, hey, I will help you with this. We will make millions of dollars yeah. off this music. He had a pretty easy mm-hmm. job selling to Easy E, Eric, because he could, I mean, he was white. Hey, nobody's going to give a shit about you. Yes. Unless you have someone like me walk into the meeting room. Exactly. Yeah. This is how that that whole industry and exploitation, I mean, this is like yes. the, the story of it right here. Heller had kind of already been working with Cube and Dre since he, he had found them in Santa Monica. And then Dre brought DJ Yella in himself because, mm-hmm. you know, Yella was pretty awesome. In the end, we'll talk about it more later, but it got really ugly. Easy e went after them. They went after Easy e It became evident that I think between the group, there was this very obvious, I don't want to say jealousy, maybe justifiable jealousy, I guess, that Easy e was making so much more bank than like Dre and Cube and Yella and all them were. Right. This is where it's it becomes hard to call them a band. And this is why yes. I think originally I said this this was a group of entrepreneurs that got together to work on projects together because in the end it wasn't a group interest. They each had to look out for their own interests. My personal opinion is that Dre and Cube were so talented. Yeah. And and Easy E was not. Easy no. If you hear stories about how he had to record, right? Well, everyone's he, yeah, heard those he rumors. He didn't write his own shit. He couldn't stay on beat. He had to work at it. They literally punch him in. Yes. Track yes. like line by line. But Dre and Cube were so obviously talented that I think they realized very early on, which is why this only lasted two albums, one album for Cube. They were like, mm-hmm. I can make so much more money without these jokes here. Carrying and, them, pretty much. Yes. I think it w- was amazing that they got to work out the way that they did. And obviously, I think everybody, all the complexities in the relationships, I'm sure were probably fixed by EZE dying of AIDS in 95. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at the beginning of this group, nobody would be surprised that they did not last. Right. This was a good way to look at how art becomes business. Yes. This yeah. is an awesome case study for that. I'm going to keep hammering that point because I love it. I love what it. What caused any of the divisions, it all came back to business. It's hard because people respect EZE, but people love Dr. Dre and Ice Cube mm-hmm. because in the end, everybody's going to side with talent. Is there any example prior to the breakup of NWA? of battle rap tracks. I don't know that that happened before this. Very, very good point. I'd like to say I don't think so, but I honestly have no clue. This would definitely be the first time that it was prevalent, mm-hmm. that it was in the mainstream. And it was pretty clever in in some cases. Yeah. All this shit got written in what I, I'm just calling it the dark ages of LAPD, mm-hmm. when LAPD was just the most corrupt, terrible organization since the KKK. And I think that's something that 
when NWA released their first album and it actually got the attention it did and they released the second album, the rest of America wasn't ready to confront that story. LAPD versus the entire black community in LA. This really was the start of what... The West Coast was not on the map at all. This was the start of West Coast being put on the map for hip-hop. Compton? Nobody knew what the fuck Compton was. You're exactly right. This was one of the first times that people were like, what what do you mean, like, LAPD? What are you you talking about? Yeah, exactly. And and then it quickly blew up and, and became more and more publicized. But this was like the first glimpse into that. And also, I think... You had street hip hop going on on the East Coast. Because I don't think that I'm not saying that New York wasn't going through the same corruption, but it wasn't like the fucking LAPD. No, like, yeah, I think maybe that that that's where I was going. Yeah, I mean the LAPD was fucking talk evil about institutionalized, and they were going directly at black people to right. make money off of poor people. It was straight up evil. Yeah. And there was nobody there fighting right. it. Because they were the law, Yeah. Right? Like, New York had kind of been through their shit. They had activists. They had people at least trying. The poor people in L.A. had nothing. And NWA and- changed hip-hop. For good or the bad, who knows? But they did. I think it would say, I would say for good. In my opinion, for me, changed hip-hop for the good because... It made it okay to talk about shit that no one wanted to talk about before. I, I, I That's what's been on the back of my mind, and I haven't figured out a way to say it. I personally agree. I do. But then my question is, what do you say to the people that say NWA, they weren't the start of it by any means, but they really, really made it a big deal to talk about beating women and bitches ain't shit sort of stuff. Like They were, they right. were one of the first right. most popular groups to really... This is where really jabs at the heart of the controversy yes their response is that we're reporting we're telling you what life is like we're just reporting what we see we're not promoting it we're not endorsing it so if you take that at face value i know that right now with because of the genre we're talking about black culture but in white culture too yeah women have oh no it does yeah the culture doesn't matter it's right so it doesn't matter what race yeah. you are, I think, from a gender perspective. But here's the other issue that I want to bring up with NWA now so that we don't have to... This is just a time to get it over with. And once again, I'm sorry, this is all super messy, but if we're dissecting it, we have to fucking dissect it, right? And one of the things that you have yeah. to talk about if you're talking really dissecting NWA, Dre himself has been in a lot of trouble with... Actions. Yeah. yeah. He's dealt with multiple court cases as as far as assaulting women he's had to settle outside of court more than once honestly to me if you haven't been proven guilty that's you're not guilty but right. when you're settling outside of court multiple times something happened exactly. right what made it even worse is that he addresses it later on talking about the women that he hurt in this kind of half-ass apology and that's hard to confront when you're talking about a group like this it is. He's out here talking about what he sees in the black community at the time and the lifestyle and the crime and the, you know, LAPD. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm going to say that culturally accepted, it doesn't mean correct, but accepted was this treatment of yes. women. Yes. Cliche, but it's a sign of the times. It's the same reason that I'm still going to read Mark Twain, even though he says yeah. that word. Because back then... It was okay to do it. I'm not saying it was right. If you read Mark Twain's writing, he mm-hmm. he writes a lot about how individuals are all the same, even though he still uses that word, mm-hmm. which is fucking crazy. But because to him, in his brain, he didn't associate that with the other thing. Yeah, you know exactly. And I think that's what I struggle with all the time is that words have the power that we give the word. I feel like that's one of the reasons that... African Americans use it in hip hop. Appropriated that word back to them. Yeah, absolutely. If we're using it, then 
it doesn't mean shit when you use it. Right. Which right. I think that's awesome. I, I, I don't know. This is where it gets in that minutia, and I think it varies depending on individual to individual, whether that's okay, whether it's not. Is that word a symbol of oppression in general, or should it be specific to only black oppression? Which well, I don't want to say fortunately, but... What we do? <laughs> that's not our decision to make. And I am a-okay it's, with not, not having to have an opinion on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Let's talk Ice Cube leaving. Yeah. For anybody that doesn't know, basically what happened was after the first album, the other guys saw Easy and Heller making just fucking shit tons of money, living in mansions, this and that and this and that. And the infamous story is that they call a lunch, they give Ice Cube a $75,000 check, and essentially he rips it up and quits the band. To me, something happened when Cube quit because mm-hmm. i i think cube wrote a lot of the lyrics dude yeah because it changes in the second album yeah i don't think that that's a secret i think ice cube was he, he was their wordsmith a music style that is pretty much all wordsmithing djs had their had their role in the foundation of hip-hop but at this point this is where it started to evolve away from like the DJ is the star of the show to the yeah. MC, the rapper is now the yes. star of the show. Well, I mean, he joined when he was a kid. He was a kid, right? I mean, he was still in he was school. Fucking nineteen. Yeah, he I mean, was nineteen years old. When he, yeah, when he, so I mean, when he got straight this, out of Compton came out, he was nineteen. So yeah, he was probably yeah. fucking eighteen when he joined them. Right. This kid <laughs> was he was the lyricist, and like you just said, you hear it. In the next album. Absolutely. Of course, that's why Ice Cube thought he could go do his own. And he's been successful. His solo career was awesome. You have to really believe that you are the shit and that you really... He was the talent of the band. I'm going to rip this up and leave. You're all fucked because you don't have another album after I go. Yeah. With that, let's jump into the albums. Let's start with 1988's Straight Outta Compton. Mm-hmm. I cannot emphasize this enough that Ice Cube, who I completely agree with you, I think he was the wordsmith for this, for the most part, was 18, mm-hmm. which really goes to show you what young kids were going through in Compton at that age to be able to write what he was writing. My favorite thing about this album is the fact that it never got any radio play whatsoever. Because at this day and age, shit like this cannot be played on the radio. Not, no. And yet it sold 2 million copies. Right. That is when you know that an album is not a good album, but a completely groundbreaking, I have to hear this album. Because it sells two million when it's not even allowed to be marketed. Yeah, isn't that nuts? This album was very much a how do I make money? Well, they right? did it, and they did, and they mm-hmm. did, knowing that they couldn't market it the normal mainstream album ways. Live shows, and I, I this sounds like old school how br- bands grind it out without, uh, you know, major record label exposure. Right? Yeah, this was like. Yeah, where you're playing concerts, people hear you and go, "Holy shit, I want to hear more." Grassroots. It was so new to the world that the FBI was legitimately worried. They got an FBI warning for the song "Fuck the Police." Mm -hmm. The FBI was on them. I think that that helped make it even pop more popular because they didn't. They didn't have any traditional marketing when they started popping up on the news for. Fuck yes. the police. Yeah. And then, of course, every parent that then was like, well, my kid's not listening to this. What did their kids go and do? Yes. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. There will be a subsequent question to it. But have you seen the movie Straight mm-hmm. Outta Compton? And what did you think? Did you like it? I have seen it. I'm on the... F- I, yeah. I, I think I enjoyed it for the entertainment aspect. And I feel like it stayed true enough to the story that I don't have any major... I don't think that that should be the end of anybody's research. Anytime Hollywood is involved, don't let that be your research. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I think there was some slight bias, maybe. <laughs> you think? They definitely <laughs> favored certain members of NWA and certain storylines more than others. I completely agree with you. It was a while ago that I saw it. I don't remember it all that well. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, yeah, this is a good movie, but... So here's the thing. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about a group this prevalent with personalities this huge, 
they treated each and every one of these people like they were amazing, great person. And they weren't. They just weren't. Mm-hmm. When I watch a story like this, it's like, okay, come on. There's six guys in this that are these bigger personalities. Half of them had to have been pieces of shit. Right. Every move they they made was this big, moral, righteous. And kind of like we talked about it before, they don't touch on any of the assaults. They don't touch on yeah. any of the... Dre, Dre was don't... painted like a saint in that movie, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think it was it was good for what it was, but the one thing that I did really like about that movie that I just like to picture, if you haven't seen the movie straight out of Compton, there is the part in the movie, and this is very, very true. This really did happen. They played a concert in Detroit. And in Detroit, yeah. they were told by the police department, you are not allowed to play the song fuck the police right sven you were talking about what gets us more (laughs) listeners and stuff yeah how many listeners can you put on a pedestal for these people to tell them do not play this song what the hell do you think they're they're gonna gonna do do? right exactly and what did they do get arrested (laughs) and then what was on tv and they become the most they become the most famous group fucking ever oh yeah because they're arrested for playing a song Exactly. I do love that part. I remember loving that part of the movie. They have Ice Cube come out and they're doing this thing and they're showing this super stereotypical fucking pit bull looking white cop staring at him like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it, you black guy. And he looks over it. And they start playing. Yeah. They drop the beat. It's a really well done part of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Like, who wants to get arrested? But. Oh my god, if it's going to make me a, a, like overnight worldwide celebrity, I don't know how much of that they planned and how much was just like a fuck you, you can't tell us what to play. You know, I don't know that anybody in the back of their mind was like this is going to make us I think they they had figured out their personalities for the sake of I think their personalities started with being themselves and they realized that those were what sold, so they just need to ride that out. Maybe amplify it a little bit, exaggerate some of those those yes. characteristics a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't so. This shit was real. The institutions were going after shit like this. An informal police network faxes messages to police stations nationwide. FBI was faxing messages to police stations nationwide, urging cops to help cancel concerts by nwa a group based in compton california since late spring their shows have been jeopardized or aborted in detroit where the group was briefly detained by the cops washington dc chattanooga milwaukee and tyler texas nwa played cincinnati only after bengal linebacker and city councilman reggie williams and several of his teammates spoke up for them so even though detroit was the famous one they were being shut down everywhere Yeah, There was a Minnesota attorney general that tried to prosecute record stores that sold straight out of Compton. Which is ridiculous, right? This is still like free speech is still constitutionally protected. This wasn't a brand new thing either. Police pressure forced the cancellation of... There was a tour of Run DMC and Beastie Boys in like 87 that a bunch of places were canceled. There was a a sheriff in Arkansas that seized a bunch of rap and heavy metal tapes from a Walmart from the Heart of Blues record store in Camden, claiming the music was obscene under the state of law and couldn't legally be sold to anyone under 17. 203,000 members of a fraternal order of police declared a boycott of any musical group that advocates assaults on police officers, a significant stand since off-duty cop staff mostly were on these concert security teams. Right. Coming from a day where Black Lives Matter, how relevant yeah. and how uh, how sad it is that we're still having the same conversation decades later. Arrests from Skid Row, Too Short, Guar, NWA, Bobby Brown, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row, I've all been arrested because of this shit. I love that Guar's on that list. This all (laughs) led to the pinnacle. The explicit lyrics, parental advisory. Parental advisory sticker. Sven, I'm going to quiz you right now. I remember. I'm watching your face. Don't look at your phone. Do you know who the first parental advisory sticker was on? I remember looking this up. 
for something else. It's but... not that hard, and we've already talked about him. Was it Ice T? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Because, yeah. Do you know who the artist or song is that is to thank for the birth of the thought of the parental advisory? After this song came out, a politician came out and said, we need to start finding a way to put something on an album that tells parents not to let their kids listen to it. Ooh, I'm going to give you a huge school me. I'm going to give you a huge hint. Ironically, it is Brent Berg, one of our most wholesome friends. It is yeah. one of his favorite, yeah. favorite songs of all time. Right. That, that did not help at all. Darling Nikki by Prince. Uh, what? After that song came out. I'm sorry. I don't have the name of the politician. We need to start putting symbols on albums to tell parents what they should or should not let their kids listen to. Right. I learned something today. And once again, Prince gets brought up because David is David. Because Prince is awesome too. Straight out of Compton. It's a great album. It's groundbreaking, obviously in terms of production, because you have Dr. Dre producing his first album. Side one, track one. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. And then it goes into straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucker named Ice Ice Cube. Cube. I mean, it doesn't really get any better than that right no that seriously is my favorite album opening it's so good yeah the coolest thing ice cube's delivery so it's not even just the lyrics his delivery it's hard he comes in he's he's just a big angry fucking terrifying voice at 19 (laughs) yeah yeah my god and then and then he follows it up with an entire verse that is just crazy yes. lyrics. Like, yeah, like, it just didn't stop. He was they so have good. the authority to kill a minority. Like, that's uh, top five best fucking hip hop lines of all time. Yeah. And next, you have "Fuck the Police." That album, the first three or four tracks are really just incredible. And you also have kind of the the verging genius of Dre who is bringing in these supreme funk, the songs like Parental Discretion and If It Ain't Rough and Express Yourself and I Ain't The One. He's bringing in these... Oh, Express Yourself as well. Yeah, he's he's bringing in these samples and doing shit to them that really hadn't been done before. When it comes to Dre, he was obviously musically educated he had his finger on the pulse of what was playing what was popular what had been popular i feel like he was the kind of guy that anything that came out on record he was gonna buy and try to yeah try to listen to if he could get his hands on it to be that young and to be sampling james brown and cool the gang and and isley brothers and the beats are so simple little single note guitar wah every now and then and he absolutely knew what he was doing I think some of my favorite work of his came, as, as with all of these guys, I think I was a bigger fan of their solo stuff, but you hear so much of the groundwork getting laid in these two albums. I listen to that a shit ton more than, <laughs> than the other one that I can't say the name so of. So here's the thing. This is interesting <laughs> because we have their second album, which is a even backwards, we're just not going to say it. So we're just going to say NWA's second album, which came out in 1991. Ice Cube was no longer a member. I will tell you that production-wise, I love this album. I like this album a lot more than Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, yeah. This, Dre freaking found himself. This is kind of the birth of the G-Funk thing. It's not all the way there, but this you hear, this is the start, right? For this album, the lyrics are a lot lazier. Oh, yeah. But... The freaking production is incredible. The beats that Dr. Dre is coming up with here are, man, I freaking love them. Yeah. Out of this, you got like the Warren G sound. You got like yes. the Snoop Dogs. I mean, not on the album, but like this is kind of like what launched that whole sound. The Prelude has that super low pounding piano that starts to become really huge in hip hop. Song number two, another title of an album I can't say, has those kind of bell tones yeah, with this like quiet, distorted guitar behind it. That becomes super big in hip-hop moving forward. Appetite for Destruction has this almost kind of horror film sound that becomes a big deal yeah. in hip-hop. Dr. Dre had figured all this shit out. And then, of course, uh, and always into something. That's the song on the second album. That That's Dr. Dre's thing moving forward. The super high synthy. Yeah. 
I know. Yeah, exactly. That was that the, was the glide. Yes. That glide synth. That is yeah. the signature Dr. Dre sound for the rest of his fucking career, and he found it on this yeah. album. It's still some of my favorite hip hop. You don't even have to play the rest of the beat. I just hear that whiny, high pitched, nasally synth that does the little slide yeah. up and down as it changes. Yeah. Track three is really interesting too. Another title we can't say, but track three, if you want insight. They actually give you a little bit of insight on this one on why they use that word. And it's really interesting to hear MC Wren and Dr. Dre. It, it's pretty smart. MC Wren, he's basically kind of saying that the world treats me like I'm one, so I am being one. And then they yep. will switch to a Dr. Dre verse. And the Dr. Dre verses are because it's making me massive amounts of money is why I'm using that word. Right. Which you touched on yeah. a lot. And then the second half yeah. of this album to me has aged super poorly. There's the, a song the called womanized... One Less Bitch, which is literally yeah. about them murdering women. So it's... Yeah. Which comes right after To Kill a Hooker. Exactly. Like there, it's basically a skit called To Kill a Hooker going into One Less Bitch, yeah. which is about... I mean, and it's really not a good look, especially considering Dre's history. Yeah. A lot of the second half of the album is... She swallowed it. As much as I love the production on this album, the second half of this album has aged poorly to the point that you can't even really listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't release that today and not... Hell no get you boycotted you couldn't release or, that today nobody yeah. would release that today yeah nobody would that is their discography all two albums that's all they did they didn't last long we talked about two, that yeah. they were all different comets going in a different direction and that's about it but how awesome that they all at least for this brief period of found time each other for collided yes. and fa- yeah I don't think any of the future would have been possible if that hadn't happened future of hip hop we're gonna come back after this and then we are going to talk a little about best of worst of all that sort of thing we will be right back we are back one more thanks to Blacklight Odyssey. That song was Breathing in Fumes. Uh, those are the three songs that we're going to play. Those are my three favorites of theirs. I get to pick them because it's my show, Neener, Neener, Neener. But honestly and truly, check these guys out because it's great. Let's go ahead and start talking about some awards, some categories, little things like that. Let's start with personal influence. Sven, personal. when did you become a fan if you're a fan? And do you have a story with the group? Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm a fan. And early, early 2000s was where I really started appreciating it. I, I was aware of NWA. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was where I was personally in my life. Yeah. Okay. I may have to send you some notes on what maybe later to edit out and about what I'm about to say. <laughs> so jumping back in. The first three years of the 2000s, I found myself operating, let's say, a not-so-legal business fairly lucratively yep a lot of the same things i dealt with going over to my manufacturer supplier at the things i encountered on a day-to-day drive having to know that you can't depend on the police to protect you if someone breaks into your house because you're not going to call them and tell them what people breaking into your house are stealing and with your line of business there is a better likelihood that somebody would be breaking into your house. I definitely didn't experience black life. I definitely didn't experience ghetto life. That is not it. What I experienced was something I brought on myself. It was a choice I made. That's the biggest difference I think I need to I need to get out of the way. But the the life I chose and the way I chose to pay my bills put me in a parallel, I think. To feel like I could relate enough with yeah. a lot of the topic. My own experience drew me close to that music. But then when things went down in my life, it really highlighted how privileged I was being a fair-skinned kid. It, it was kind of a weird thing for me. Like, oh, yeah, this this music speaks to me. This is something I can relate to. This is something that... And then when shit goes down, I realize, like, I'm not dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am here in court. You know, several days later, I'm not dead. 
that was the OG. Yeah. A lot of yeah, ways yeah, yeah. I was mistaken. Yeah. Absolutely. Have fun editing that one. <laughs> I'm putting the whole fucking thing in. Sorry. Put the whole goddamn. Sorry, all Sven. Right. <laughs> it's fine. I'll put it all in. If you get arrested, you get arrested. Do it. Do it. I'm not a huge fan. Okay. I'm a huge fan in the regard that I have the utmost respect for what they did, what they came out with, all that. But I don't listen to them very often. And I never did. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Dr. Dre. I love Ice Cube. I love Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. I, I love the late 80s, early 90s gangster rap stuff. The whole birth of the parental advisory sticker stuff just completely fascinates me. I am a huge fan in certain regards. And in other regards, I don't. If fuck the police comes on in a bar, I'm going to like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I don't choose to just turn on NWA very often. Lyric talk. Are they good? I mean, that's silly. Well, Uh, we, we've really gone into it. Yes and no. Right. Exactly. They're really, 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 really bad and really, 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 really good. Beyond being very 80s hip hop, there are a lot of great lyrics. I'm not a big fan of Easy E stuff, but fuck the police. We already talked about have the authority to kill a minority, which is such a great line. I don't give a fuck about radio play. Observe the English I display. But it was still yeah. very limericky, fuck the right? Police. You dropped some famous yes. lines there. All the rhyme schemes, I think, and this is not just NWA. I think hip hop at this point. It's still limericky. Yeah. It's still very much rhyme. Rhyme. But you're starting to see clever the metaphors as well as just yeah. clever yeah. ways to rhyme. Crazy yeah. motherfucking name by Ice Cube. Ice Cube. One of my favorite lines. Whatever. Musicianship, production, which we'll we'll talk production. Production is outstanding. Yes, for the for the time, if that production was on a record today, it would get shit well, you, on. Well, that's silly, but yeah, that's that's very true. It's it's but, yeah. It, I think the thing that made it good, the samples, it was curated. Yes. It wasn't just yes. find a beat that someone can rap to. There was a lot more craft and thought. Pretty much already touched on this. Is there an obvious best rapper? I think we both agree we that both, it's Ice Cube, right? We both like Ice Cube. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty perfect. Especially for the point in time, and I don't know if it correlates, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but the fact that the second album has a lot of the anti-women shit, I I just, I don't know why, I feel like it would have been a lot more concentrated on other things if Ice Cube would have been there. Yeah, he was pushing the social agenda, the political agenda, more than... Yeah, that's what I mean. So next category, typically in bands, this is discuss live albums, side, side albums, and solo projects. Instead of going over all that, I think we should have a quick discussion. Actually, a simple question. Who had the best post-NWA career? Ooh, in terms of music or financial success? Because I, I think, think I'm just gonna, g- I can differentiate those two. So I'll start it. I think Dre is the very obvious choice, but I go ice cube. I just fucking love ice cube. I always have. He's amazing. He's fun. Yeah. Everything he does is fucking either awesome or hilarious or fantastic where I think Dre is the obvious choice because chronic Eminem discovered Eminem, or at least he gets credited for that. And anything West yeah. Coast is somehow correlated to Dr. Dre. I still just, I, I just fucking love Ice Cube. I'm on the same page as you. To make peace, I'm gonna go ahead, knowing what you just said, and vote Dre, just because I feel like we should balance. I, I can't pick between the two. If I could, it would be a tie. So since you said Ice Cube, I'm gonna go Dre. The production value. And the fact that he's had his hands on so many discoveries, like so many people that have made an impact in hip hop and have have been really talented artists have had Dre producing them, coaching them, kind of taking him under their, you know, under his wing. There's still stuff off of Chronic and Chronic 2001 that I think are like essential hip hop. You need to learn this. You need to learn what Dre did if you're going to produce hip hop. How good is the band name, the song titles, the album covers? It's, you know, it's honest. Fuck the police straight out of Compton. Yeah. It's all amazing. It's amazingly marketed. Things just fall into your lap and you have to play it like you thought about it and premeditated it, but you you know it fell into your lap. They were so young. 
and this I don't I don't think this takes away. I don't mean this to take away yes. from their contribution yeah. at all. I think this really speaks to the strength of being able to roll with what's what's coming at you. We have this awesome idea. It's premeditated, but once that snowball started rolling and started gaining mass, it was just like we have to lean into it. It's why I am now the bad guy on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta just lean into it, right? <laughs> team David versus Team Sven, right? Yeah. Exactly. And honestly, you're like the nicest fucking guy, too. Edit that out, David. <laughs> you're the most evil. God, I hate you. You people, this is horrible. Help me. Help me. Exactly. Help. I don't even have my episode 13 music yet. See? See? We're, we're, we're recording a thing, and, and he's I'm already gonna... ragging on me about something that I gotta... Okay. Here's an easy one. How timeless is the band's music? Is it good even if you weren't around when the band came out? I mean, we were five. We didn't know our, we didn't know anything from anything. Right. But this is completely timeless. It helped begin a complete style of music. It, it needs to be remembered for 100% ever, right? agree. Agree, agree, agree. Rank the albums. This will be possibly difficult, but definitely short. <laughs> Sven. I, I straight out of Compton. That's my album. The the other one is not the whole group. <laughs> it is NWA on record. It is NWA, but I think without Ice Cube, there's a huge hole. So I'm gonna be. Comp- this is so fucking hard for me, Sven, <laughs> because I think the first half of both albums yeah. are what's good. I don't think the second half of each album are all that good. I think the first half of the second album is so fucking amazing, but it doesn't have Ice Cube. doesn't have to, though, if you like it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Ice Cube's not the only lyricist. My favorite album of N.W.A. Yeah. is their second album, which is insane because Ice Cube isn't on it. But the first four songs, nah, not even that, like the first mm-hmm. six or seven songs are just incredible. They're so fun to listen to, to, to jog to, to do anything to. It's not where my favorite songs are, but it's definitely just Dre had his shit figured right, out right, right. by then. Which leads us into NWA top five songs. So I am going to let's Can we even do a, say, okay, yeah. <laughs> Sven, what is your fifth favorite NWA song? I think Express Yourself. Yeah, part of me okay. let's express yourself. Express yourself. I like it. For sure. My fifth favorite is Appetite for Destruction. Really, really like the beat. Kind of speaks to what I was talking about, about why I like the second album. It's, you know, Dre at his best. Sven, what's your fourth favorite NWA song? I think it's Fuck the Police. I feel like that's the track that launched them into my radar. Like, I I wouldn't know, and I feel like a lot of people wouldn't know who NWA is. So my fourth favorite is the prelude which is the very first song on the second album it's really cool it starts as kind of a skit and then it goes into this very very traditional dr dre low keyboard i just fucking love it i will go ahead and give my third favorite nwa song it's straight out of compton crazy motherfucker named ice cube uh, Sven, what is your third favorite NWA song? The third, tra- <laughs> the third track on the second album. <laughs> I can't say any of this. Um, <laughs> hey, you, didn't, you know, for you didn't life. say anything bad. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna kind of go through the same thing here for my second favorite NWA song of all time. It is song number two on the second album. It is "Real Whatever's yeah. Don't Die." And it's that same Dre, that this super hard, we talk in an episode that we do about 1969, we talk about parents hearing, I want to be your dog for the first time and just being terrified. And that's what I picture with this. I picture some fucking suburban dad (laughs) hearing this song and be like, oh my God, we're all going to die. And I love it. It makes me so happy. Uh, (laughs) Sven, what is your favorite NWA song? I feel like I know what's coming. It's the number one. The first and straight out of Compton. Yes. That's it. That's for me. Ice Cube comes in so hard. The first album of a group that's so controversial and 
he launches into that verse so hard almost like he's already famous and already got it we are on very very similar wavelengths just on different songs my number one nwa song of all time is fuck the police yeah it's fuck the police it is exactly what you said and i wouldn't contest it straight out of compton same thing um both sample james brown uh, but what didn't back then? Exactly. <laughs> so let's rate this group. How high are they on your personal mountain? Are they on your Mount Rushmore? I'll start. They're not one of my favorites. They would be on a very specific Mount Rushmore. If we were talking influencers of hip mm-hmm. hop, yeah, they might be. That's they might be right. top four. But for me, all respect due, they're. They're not a favorite, and they're not a Mount Rushmore, um, maybe in certain circumstances. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I think I'm very similar. I mean, like, if I had to put a number to it, it would be like I rank them 97 out of 100. And are arbitrary numbers. Like, I huge respect for all the reasons that you said. Genre-specific and what they did for hip-hop, that puts yes. them up in, like, the top of my list part of what i consider is like how listenable is it can i just can i roll down my windows and go rolling through my neighborhood with this blaring no i can't um for me that's a qualifier it it doesn't have to be for everybody else so that's that's nwa i am comfortable with what we did let's do something a lot more relaxed next time <laughs> i'm looking forward to the next dissection when we dissect of chuck fucking... mangione <laughs> barry manilow yeah. <laughs> yeah there we go barbara streisand so that's it for this episode thank you again to blacklight odyssey uh once again the songs that you heard on this episode are freak me you heard no future and you heard breathing in fumes yeah, thanks, Blacklight Odyssey. Join us next week when we are going to talk 1969. And apologies ahead, of, <laughs> apologies ahead of time. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Join us next time, versecoursefirst.com, at versecoursefirstpod. iTunes, please rate and review us. That helps us a lot. Follow us on Spotify. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Just do the things. It's not that hard. You're helping the poor guys out. Sven, this was yeah. uh, this was surprisingly successful episode. Surprising. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> we I... We'll see everybody next week. Go listen to NWA in front of your kids. Oh, I... <laughs>